welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. God, grant me the serenity to accept the and the, change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Hi, everybody. My name is Chaim. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. God has given me a gift of sobriety for um, 12 years, I mean 12 years, 11 months, and, and 10 days, and um, we're currently up to step 10. Step 10 says we continue to take personal inventory, and when wrong, we promptly admit it. <coughs> um, step 9 states, together with step 8, that we basically clean up the past. If we did something wrong in the past, and this is the time we write it down, and this is the time we, we go over to people, we make amends, we clean our house so that we don't do it again. We don't just apologize and say I'm sorry in English, that, which means basically like bug off, and now I get to walk away clean, but rather we actually amend the relationship. The word amend is, means to, to bring it back together, to improve it, to, to clean it. To, to make it better. In step 10, it's a step of humility again. The whole program is one big humility. It's, it's a step of absolute humility. It's like, so you did all these steps and I got news for you. You're going to continue to hurt people. You're going to continue to do wrong. So don't be shocked. You're going to continue to make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up or shame yourself. But rather just admit it like you did in step 5 to yourself, to God, to another human being, and clean house, as simple as that. And live upon that type of life. It's interesting that that step, that the big book, the big book talks about taking this inventory not at night, but in the morning. Which is kind of interesting and possibly against what we've been doing in the past. We think we should be doing step 10 at night. It's like after we had the whole day and we see what we might have done right and wrong, we take an inventory and now we could clean house. In the big book, he says upon awakening, we do it in the morning. We take an inventory and basically we scan our body to see am I living in resentment or fear or anger or frustration or I'm not at peace with myself or I'm worried or, 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 or. And then I get to clean house and as a result, not hurt people. Because part of this program is not to hurt people anymore. To work on not. To have the humility that we will, but to work on not. So to keep this simple, my step 10 is not a step 10 in the morning and it's not a step 10 at night. My step 10 is a life. It's an attitude of life. It's a constant attitude of me scanning my body, a constant attitude of me looking at myself and asking myself, hey, what is going on? What is wrong? Who have I harmed? 
If somebody's not at peace with me, what is my part in it? It's not like this one time sitting down and then I get to just walk. I want to just read from the, the big book, page 82. The last paragraph, it says, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. So if your sponsor ever tells you you're like a tornado, don't get so, um, you know, rolled up that he does, you know, relax, I'm a good guy. Again, the alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. I'm a nice, sweet guy to my wife. I take care of the kids. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate. Habits have kept the home in turmoil. Anybody know the translation of turmoil? Yeah, I like that translation. Basically, effed up. We feel a man is unthinkable when he says that sobriety is enough. If you're part of this fellowship and you get sober and you think, like, I'm good, it's unthinkable. You're not part of this fellowship, then you miss the whole point of the entire recovery. You're not recovering in order just not to masturbate and watch porn and not have sex outside your marriage. We are recovering from life, from being a tornado in other people's lives, from not knowing the difference between right or wrong, from being mentally handicapped, or like he writes in the doctor's opinion, we don't have the mental capability of even understanding what we're talking about. We're so mentally ill, this is the big book talking, that if I brought to you the idea of living a spiritual life and being happy, joyous, and free, or living a life of insanity, we're not sure which one to pick. This is not shaming us. This is the reality. So it's like, so I'm going to take an inventory in the morning. Oh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a little bit angry. Yeah, I'm not happy about work. Yeah, I'm a little resentful at God. Yeah, my wife. And uh, yeah, okay, let me call my sponsor. Do a quick um, two-way prayer. Or let me do um, uh, just a check-in with another guy in program. And, and we're good for the day. And then at night, take an inventory of all, all the tornadoes that I've caused in other people's lives. And work on it and, and move on. No. It's a life, it's an attitude of when I open up my eyes as a sexaholic, somebody just asked me outside, what is the first thought that goes through your brain when you open up your eyes? For me, for 28 years plus, the first thought and the final thought was lust and sex. And throughout the day, there wasn't like, Lust and sex in the morning, lust and sex at night, and the rest of the day I'm spiritual and I'm doing well. No, it was a life of acting out. Recovery is a life, it's an attitude change within that it's just not the same. What I want to talk about is um, back to basics. And I think this is the hidden um, secret of program where unfortunately it's not been spoken about enough 
It's the belief of my sponsor, it's the belief of all the old timers, and it's very much not the belief of the program as a whole. And I'm looking around the room and the average guy over here has relapsed numerous times. Numerous. And I'm looking around the room over here and the average guy not only relapsed numerous times, when he came into a program, he thought he's not gonna relapse numerous times. And the average guy that's here will still relapse numerous times. And the average guy here will not be here in five years from now. And the question ought to be why? And when I share about this, and I talk this way, I usually get phone calls from people who really want to work the program, because we're not here not to work the program, and say, Chaim, am I a guy that's going to still be here? Am I a guy that's, that's, that's going to still, like, like, so I'm screwed? Like, what are you saying? Like, am I the guy that's here or not? And the thing I like to tell everybody is what I'm about to tell you, and then I'm going to get to this book. I need to ask myself this question on a daily basis. If you guys woke up tomorrow morning or this afternoon and you heard Chaim S. relapsed, he went back out there, slept with two hookers, and we can't find him. Would you guys be like, oh, yeah, we knew that's coming. Yes. <laughs> we saw it in the, so that, that's the program he worked. Or would you guys be like, oh, my God. Chaim? Or would you be like in the middle? I could hear that. I didn't see a comment. I could hear it. It makes sense. If I can look at you clearly in the face and say, if you guys all as a whole cannot say it would be so far off for Chaim to relapse, then I'm not working the program in order not to relapse. I've seen this hundreds of times by now in recovery. When a guy relapses and everybody goes, ah, can't believe it. And then I say, let's be honest, you can't. And the guy goes, yeah, we saw it coming. <laughs> so what's the? Ah. If the attitude isn't an attitude of my life and my soul and everything is this program and nothing works, nothing but this program, so what's the shocker? It's very simple. You go to the grocery store and you buy groceries. In order to walk out of the store and not be called a thief, you need to take money and pay for it. That's just how life works. If you have sex addiction or any addiction and you don't work a 12-step program, you can't be sober. I don't know why I'm not staying sober. Because you're not working a 12-step program. So I'm here to tell you what a 12-step program really is. And what is not spoken enough. And what I didn't even realize to the core of my being as much. Until I read this book. This book is Back to Basics. This is approved literature. And somebody by the name of Wally P. wrote this book. If you want to recover from the sex addiction... If you don't know these books, good luck. I want to become a lawyer. Okay, here's the books to read. No, I, I don't read. Reading is not for me. 
Okay, we have audio that can read it for you. If you actually pay attention and listen and you don't press like three fast, not, or seven fast, you know? And you really like listen to it because there's no quick fixes here. I didn't become an addict in a day, I'm not becoming not an addict in a day. Wally P, what he did basically is, he was in the fellowship for the last like million years. Okay, obviously that's an exaggeration. But he's in the fellowship forever. And he's been wondering why the rate of people in our fellowship and in other fellowships have been just diminishing and falling. Why aren't people staying sober like they used to stay in the heyday? I've asked that question numerous times. When I came into the program, I sat in a meeting with five guys. The average guy was sober. Like four out of the five. Then when the meeting became like seven or eight, the average guy was sober. Then when it became 10, 12, the average guy was sober. We were batting like a 70% rate of people staying sober. And I asked myself, why? And I think everybody over here should ask themselves that question. Like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be here in a few years. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be relapsing. I'm going to be walking my kids down to the club and checking out the girls on the aisles. That's a creepy thought. I'm going to be asking my wife to walk with me down the aisle because we're in a fight because I just um, had sex with a hooker. That's an uncomfortable thought to live that type of life. So does program work or does program not work is the question here. So what does Wally P say? So let's do a little history. I think this is so extremely important. And again, read this book. And this is what Wally P says. The 12-step program started from other groups. It wasn't the original program. The 12-step program was taken from other programs like the Oxford Movement and other programs. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a guru in, in AA history. I'm not even remotely close. I'm not going to try to sound like one. If you want to know much more detail about it, you could speak to Shim, you could speak to um, um, Rafal. These people have spent God knows how much time studying the, the past, which I think is very important. Because if you want to know why you're a sexaholic, you need to know your past. If you want to know how to recover from sexaholism, you need to know some of your past. I'm going to really strip it down, like basics. Because that's it, I really know. And I'm not good with names, I'm not good with, with, with all this stuff, I'm not going to even try. But this is the logistics of it. The logistics of it is that AA as a whole took the information from other groups basically left some behind and as a result created the 12-step program. The way that happened is because there's somebody by the name of Bill and Bob. Those are the founders of our program. And they basically noshed off of the past programs and said, hey, if we do what they did, then maybe we could get sober. Now to put a plug in there, the Oxford group at its best had about 200 to 300,000 people that were in the program. There is no Oxford group now. Or maybe there's small groups out there. But there's no real like Oxford movement. And that's because the traditions weren't kept. Because there weren't traditions. So people were running over each other and we, they didn't know. 
So before you make fun of traditions or before like we do a reading on a tradition or before somebody shares on a tradition, that's why we still have a program. Give it the respect it deserves. But listen very carefully. Very carefully, because this is important. Bill and Bob with another hundred people <coughs> recognize that if you have a spiritual awakening as a result of working these 12 steps, they will not drink again. Bill writes that after he got sober, by working all the 12 steps, you know how quick? Very, very quickly. As quick as if somebody is in a pit and drowning and actually dying in the pit, and he's sitting there and screaming, help, and somebody passes by and says, you know something, we're gonna get you the rope, just, just relax. And the guy's like, the water's coming up. I'm drowning. I've drowned numerous times over here. The guy's like, yeah, yeah, one step at a time. First thing you need to do is relax. This is a new way of getting you out of a pit. Relax. And then while the guy's sitting there, we, we let him sit there for a week or two. We, we show him how a rope works. And basically after the course of many, many, many months, we get him out of the hole. That's one option. The other option is what regular people would do. is like, oh my God, somebody's drowning. Grab a rope, grab whatever you need. Everybody get together and you pull the guy out. Bill W. has stated, and this is all in the literature, the way somebody gets sober and stays sober is only upon working all the 12 steps and having a spiritual awakening as a result of doing that. Now this is what they did. The first hundred people that they did that on, it worked. And this is how it worked. <clears throat> Bill and Bob had a spiritual awakening as a result of going through all 12 steps very, very quickly. The desire for alcohol has left. You know what that means? Can you imagine on a daily basis not having a huge, insane urge for sex and lust? We don't even believe it could happen in our fellowship. We don't even think that that's possible. It doesn't mean temptations won't be there. I was in a restaurant yesterday and I was getting tempted by a girl. Temptations will be there. That pull of like, that anger or rage, that confusion of, you know, like, like you said before so eloquently, that efforts of why isn't she mine? And who the hell is that guy looks like absolute blank. That rage, that need to have that woman that doesn't belong to me. Can you imagine not failing that way? Can you imagine opening up a computer and actually not needing to, like, put in the word P-O-R... Let me just look. Oh, porn does come up when you put in those... Oh, let me see if I just click and there's any pick... No, imagine not having that desire. We, don't, we laugh at it. We don't even believe it could actually happen. Imagine seeing a pretty girl and saying, you know something? She's damn gorgeous. And that's where the thought process ends. We don't believe in our fellowship that that could happen. And I'll tell you why it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because, unfortunately, and take this please, like, 
easily. This is not me knocking. This is simply me stating what I've read in this book. After Bill and Bob got sober very quickly, I believe it was within three months, and they had a spiritual awakening. While they were in the process of having it, let me get this correct. No, they went through all their 12 steps. They had the spiritual awakening. They took another guy and they gave him over the spiritual awakening by taking him through the 12 steps. So imagine I gave it to you. You're spiritually awakened. You know what that means? You were spiritually dead. You need porn. The only way you could survive is with porn, with lust, with acting out, and definitely you need your wife for sex if, if all else fails. Imagine you got that spiritual awakening very quickly, within three months. I'm saying three months only because I'm trying to be like relaxed. If you read it, it's even quicker than that. Imagine having it in 30 days. Imagine you feel so good. You're walking down the street and the girl doesn't look as pretty as you thought she looked. You don't need sex as badly as you wish you needed it. You could actually see like red things past 8 o'clock at night and it doesn't mean it's a strip club automatically. You could actually like talk to people and not jitter and, and freeze up. You, you feel normal. You woke up. You're awakened. That excitement, you know what that does to you? <laughs> that makes you turn around to the next guy and say, hey, buddy, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. I became a multimillionaire within 30 days. You wouldn't believe it. The guy's like, how? Talk to me. Imagine giving it over to him and imagine him doing the same thing to the next guy. That's how the first hundred guys got sober. The rate of success for the first hundred guys, 75% stayed sober. 75% stayed sober. You know how? Because after that happened and after they got sober, they continuously came to meetings, they continuously did a 10th step as we said, and they continuously kept that spiritual awakening. So what happened over here? Why is it different? Wally P. explains that after the 12, after the big book was actually written out, it started to take people a little bit longer. Because it wasn't as simple as a sponsor sitting down with a sponsee and giving him that awakening. There were so many people that were, that were attracted to this program and wanted the spiritual awakening, there wasn't enough people to mentor those people and help them get the spiritual awakening so the time for them to get the spiritual awakening stretched out. And all of a sudden, as a result of that, not as many people and the success rate started to spread out. You know what happened after the book was written? Sponsors started to sit down with sponsees and read the book together. That takes some time. If anybody's a sponsor, you know how hard it is to sit down with a sponsee and how long it takes and how much energy it takes. And that started to spread it out. And Wally P explains, this is where craziness started. When the 12 and 12 came out, instead of the meetings being geared to very simple, does anybody want a spiritual awakening here? Does anybody want to get through the steps? It became step study meetings. You read step one and you study it. You don't take it. You don't do it. You study it. 
Now let's study step two. In theory. Oh, wow, that's an interesting thing. There might be a power greater than myself out there. Hmm, what about this idea of giving my will and my life over to God? I'm not taking the step and doing it. I'm studying it. Step 11, practice through prayer meditation. That's also an interesting phenomenon. Let's study that one together. And what ends up happening in the fellowship is people end up walking around saying, I've gone through the 12 steps. I don't know why it's not working. They never took the 12 steps. At one point, the fellowship realized that it was a, such a problem that in certain parts of the country, this is mind-blowing, when a newcomer would come to the program, this is what they tried to do to stop this craziness from happening. When a newcomer came to the program, what they would simply do is say, buddy, are you ready to put once and for all to sober up and like stop the garbage of drinking? In our case, are you ready not to lust? Right? The only required for membership is, is, is a desire to stop lusting. Are you really ready? Are you really ready for once and for all not to lust and not to act out again? Oh, you're not? Okay, I'm sorry. There's a list of people that are. Get behind the line. Let me know when you're ready. Why am I wasting my time with you? You're not even ready. Imagine taking a guy for an interview. Somebody comes into the office. And you interview the guy and everything sounds great. And you're like, okay, we're ready to start. You ready to start? No. Oh, when are you ready? I don't know. Are you going to come to work if I pay you? Not sure. And imagine hiring the guy. Oh, I think we, I would be a good sponsor for you. The guy's not ready. He doesn't even want to go through the 12 steps. I don't know. I call my sponsor. He's like telling me the reasons. and He's not ready. It's not I'm being bad to the guy. The guy's not ready. Harvey and Henoch and Mike seen the old timers and Dave used to tell me, Chaim, you love the guys in programs so much you're trying to get them ready. They're not. Let them get ready. They're not ripe. A few more hookers, a few more prostitutes, a few more acting out, a few more wreckages, a few more pain and sanity. We'll get them ready. They're not ready. Well, you think you're going to get them ready when the hookers can even get them ready to be broken? They almost took their life ten times. You think you're going to convince them to get ready? What happened back then in the fellowship, it's mind-blowing, is people would tell people, get behind the line, the guy's not ready. He doesn't want to go through the 12 steps. What they would do is if the guy says he's ready, they would send him to a hospital. And during the period of the next five, seven, ten days of him coming off of alcohol, which is so painful and hard, and as painful and hard as it is, it's much worse than our fellowship to come off of the drug of sex and lust, the old-timers would visit him throughout that period of those 10 days. And the old-timers would come to this guy and constantly tell him, hey, buddy, tell him the life story and give him the hope. So imagine sitting in the hospital for the first 10 days and giving that hope to the guy. So imagine in our fellowship, a newbie walks in. There's no from his head to his toes. Imagine the first 10, imagine the one guy walks in and says, do you want to take these 12 steps? Do you want to lust? And the guy says, yeah. Imagine the guy's like ready, and we know he's ready. And like Wally P says, we ask him questions to make sure he's ready. We don't just take his word for it. We're pathological liars. Once we're convinced that the guy is ready, then imagine for the next 10 days, anybody over five years of sobriety, I'm just using that as a number, or over a year of sobriety, bombards the guy with how their life has changed as a result of working the 12 steps. You know how excited that guy would be? 
not listening to the guy why his, his wife is wrong and his family and you don't understand me and my kids and I have problems and it's not as simple. Imagine like 50 guys telling the guy this message. You, you, you laugh at what they did, but it's so real and true. After those 10 days, they sat with the guy for the next 30 days and took him through the 12 steps and gave him that spiritual awakening. <clears throat> Upon completion, they gave him a card that says, welcome to the fellowship. A pass that you are part of program. Prior to that, you're not even part of the fellowship. Because there were so many people sitting around, and we have this problem. I don't know who's sober or not, who's really wants to work the program, who's willing to go to any length to stay sexually sober, who's really like committed not to act out, like who is really into, who's sponsoring other people? If you don't give it away, you can't keep it. I have no idea. So what they did in those days is, can I see your card? Can I see your badge that you're really in and you've gone through the 12 steps? So before I ask you a question, on whether or not I should do this with my wife or I should go there with that person or whether I should take this job or whether my kids, I want to know that you're talking from a spiritual place. You're not just shooting your mouth off. I don't know if you had a spiritual awakening. So I ask you for your card. It's like going into a doctor's office. You want to make sure that on the, on the walls is not pornography. You want to make sure on the walls that he has his plaques. Imagine walking into the doctor for heart surgery and all over the walls is nudity. You'll keep, yeah. you'll keep going back. <laughs> you'll keep going back. But you, you'll keep going back, but you don't want the guy to do a heart, uh, a heart surgery like, like this. You know what I mean? You just won't want that. I'm going to guy take the advice from people in this program that's staring at nudity and porn. They didn't have a spiritual awakening. What am I doing? Isn't this interesting? I read this book. I'm like flipped out. The 12 and 12 caused the program to start doing step study meetings instead of taking people through the 12 steps. And we see this all the time. People are sober over here for three months, six months, 10 months, holding my step one, my sponsor's at step four, he doesn't give me time. There's guys in fellowship who are sober for five, 10 years, they have seven, eight, 10 sponsors, I can't get in touch with them. He doesn't do the steps with me. I hope my sponsees, I hope my sponsees, therapy, I hope my sponsees are not nervous, but we're going to start moving through the steps. You want a spiritual awakening. I didn't even realize. I got caught up with this whole thing. This program is so cozy and warm. And this coffee and there's hundreds of us guys and we could talk about our wives, how they're such bitches and we could complain and God is not fear and we could work through hypothetically study groups of steps and and I don't have to have a spiritual awakening and I could stay sexually sober and miserable. Isn't this amazing? And I could act out after a few months or a few years and I cannot figure out why. And people tell me to go to therapy and discuss it with my therapist and when my trauma leaves, then I'm going to have an awakening and you don't know what I went through. Twelve steps. If your sponsor is not available to quickly take you through the twelve steps, Get a sponsor. Not a sponsor that is. Get a sponsor. You don't have a sponsor. There's so many guys in our fellowship, unfortunately, 
I know one particular guy who recently told me he's here for 11 years. He never did a step 11 with a sponsor. Every time he, he got stuck in the middle of a step 9 and 10. So you almost got onto the bus and you just missed it so you didn't make it to Florida? You're wondering why you didn't get a tan? Because you didn't get onto the bus. You missed the flight. 12 steps. And the 12th step is the most important step from all the steps. This myth of I do my 12th step by talking to people on the phone or I answer phone calls or showing up by the meeting, it's nice. Let's be honest. It's nice. It is. And it's very important for our fellowship. Especially after doing the 12 steps, you need people to give you feedback. And it's a very critical part. And if I didn't have it, I'm the dead man. Like yesterday, when I needed to speak to people. I would be dead. But the real 12-step work, he says in the Bickler book, is intensive working with another addict. And that's the only way to stay sexually sober. So I hope I didn't rattle people up too much. But, again, very important to read this book. Very, very important. And very important to carry the message. And this idea of whether I do the step slow or quick, um, it's okay so long as you're showing up and so long as you're doing the steps. Only in our fellowship, nowhere else in the world are we so nice to people. Not even in the doctor's office when you get the information that you're sick and this and that, they tell you as quick as possible, you've got to get the surgery, you've got to get the... Da, da, da. Everything is a move. In business, oh, we're closing the deal. Let's go, let's go. Pace, let's go. Everything's coming. It's coming, it's going. In our fellowship, relax. Come late so long as you show up. It's okay, relax. Everything is relaxed. In Mike C's group in Chicago, where their success rate is very strong, they lock the door at a certain point. You missed the boat. Why do I need to get disturbed by the door constantly keeping opening and closing, people coming and going and, and, and uncomfortable? And then, and then this is the best part of it. This is unreal. There's 40 guys in the meeting sitting around comfortably and part of the program, part of the meeting, the guy who comes late gets the right for 40 guys to start this while a guy's pouring out his heart and being honest. Everybody move back. This guy's sharing. He showed up here for half an hour ago, 45 minutes ago. Why is the guy who's coming late who's anyway not going to get sober? Let's be honest. If he took the program seriously, we'd be on top. He's anyway not. Why does the rest of the program have to start moving chairs and getting uncomfortable for that guy? And it's what Harvey and Mike C and Hanach and everybody else told me. You love the guy so much, you're trying to help him. But we're, we're digging the hole for the guy. Stand. We're here to recover. This is very serious, this meeting. This meeting's fall apart. I don't have a place to go. I'm a dead man. You know where I end up? I end up learning all day and masturbating and watching porn. Or in the strip clubs. What's wrong with telling the guy who's on the phone next to you, put the phone away. I'm in a meeting. You're being disrespectful. It's uncomfortable. Especially when he's sitting there like this. Now, nobody's perfect. Sometimes we have to. We're busy people. We have problems. But you want to recover from a deadly disease that created us into <coughs> tornadoes and destroyed our wives and children and everything about us? You've got to take this program very serious. It's not a game. This is not, again, this is not somewhere where you come, I come, there's a, 
I hate to say it, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to share from my heart. I'm going to come to a maybe 8.30 meeting that sometimes exists and sometimes doesn't, and there isn't a sometimes a leader. And that's how I'm going to recover from a fatal disease. I'm going to go to a maybe doctor that maybe practice sometimes, if it works, when he shows up. And then I wonder why my marriage and my children and my family are like struggling. Upon having a spiritual awakening, that's how we get better. And we get better by getting through all the 12 steps. And I'll finish off with this. If you've gone through all the 12 steps, but it took you six years, and throughout the process you acted out many, many, many times, psychologists and therapists and people in the program have proven that the morphines has corrupted your brain and brought you back to a certain sense to where you started. So get back to step one. It doesn't mean you have to like, oh my God, I have to step, step one for three weeks, step two for six years. No, it means stop by step one, get a sponsor, and get through all the 12 steps. Do you feel your power over sex and loss and it makes your life unmanageable? Yeah, it's proven. Do you believe there's a power after that third story of your sanity? Is it proven? Are you willing to give your will on life or would you fear God? And if you're not, you're not ready for this program. Here's a 20. And today is a little more expensive. Here's a hundred with gas. Good luck. <laughs> Go back out there. I can't help you. Honey, you're being tough on the guy. No, I'm telling the guy how the program works. But if you told me yes in all three, let's get to step four. Okay, I'll call you. No, right there's a pen and paper. Sit down. Start writing your resentments and fears. You need help? I'll sit with you. Oh, you can't write? I'll write it for you. Like if I could write. <laughs> That's how it works. In one sitting, you could get a guy to step six. And then the rest of the time, he starts working it and getting more into it. That's how you really have a spiritual awakening. That's how we don't drink again. But you got to be careful. You don't just do it one, two, three, and now I can come late, and now I can be on my phone, and now I can never make phone calls. And The rest of the tools keeps us here. But wow, if you had the spiritual awakening that you don't want to lust again, you damn want to walk over to that next guy and tell him, hey, I have a solution for you as well. And that guy wants to listen to that solution from you. And wow, you're going to be excited. You have so much money in your pocket that you want to give it out. It doesn't fit in anymore. And then upon having that spiritual awakening, the beauty of step 10 and the beauty of this program, the beauty of all the steps is we can pass that on to our children, which for me is, is so key and key and key. And I'll just finish off with this nice thing. The other night, my daughter, who's been having a difficult time with the friends on, on the block for, for the longest time, and really, really, at certain points, she's been being bullied and going through difficult times and trying to give her all the tools that we got in our arsenal and calling other people to get advice. And she's a 12-year-old good girl, a good girl. And finally, things started to work out, and she really stood up for herself. And it's, we're still in the process, but thank God she's starting to play with the friends on the block a few weeks ago and blah, 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 and, and things are working out. And she knocks on the door two days ago. And my knee-jerk reaction was like, uh, Mommy's not available, you know? And I took a deep breath. I'm like, yeah, what do you need, sweetie? Come in. And she came in and I was like, you want to talk to mommy or, or me? She's like, either one, which is a miracle in itself because 99% of the time years ago was mommy because I wasn't safe enough to be spoken to. Let's be real. 
And she sat down and she put down her head and she started to tear up. And I said, Sapporo, what's up? What's going on? She said, Ta, I have a problem. I said, oh, God. Inside of me, I was like, oh, here we go. She said, you know, for many, many months, I didn't get to play with anybody on the block. And every night before going to sleep, I would close my eyes and I would say, God, Hashem, and our religion, please help me have friends. I don't want to be alone. And after many, many months, Hashem answered me. God answered me and I have friends on the block. How do I talk to Hashem now? I miss talking to him. That's better than sex, boys. Oh my God. What you feel now is what I felt. I was like, come here. I hugged her. I started to cry. She's like, why are you crying for? I said, why am I crying? She didn't think there's anything wrong. I gave over to my children that when there's a problem, you talk to Tati in heaven. And when you're not talking, you miss that relationship. And when I told this over to my wife to get some brownie points, obviously... My wife said, so what did you answer? I said, what would you say? What did you say? And I said, what I do. She's like, what do you do? I said, you continuously thank Hashem for the gift that you got. I said, stop thanking Hashem. She looked at me and she's like, right, that's what you always say. You always say to thank Hashem, right, right, right. That's heaven. I'm sitting there like this. I definitely want to see the breasts. Damn it, I'm part of this program that holds me back from lusting. You're not busy with this. You're grateful that your wife's out of the room. You're grateful that your daughter's out of the room because the only thing you want is to figure out how to look at porn and explain to your sponsor that you didn't really see it because you covered it partially. <laughs> you don't get both. I remember when my wife told me this. You got to pick your, your choice. You either get us or you don't. But this is how the 12 steps work. Okay, we have a few minutes unless the, the people want to go a little bit over. Um, but let's start off with some questions and answers. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Leaping. Great question, great question. So the question is, can I have a spiritual awakening? And can it either get lost or can I lose it? How do I say this? Life is obviously a roller coaster. You know, there's ups and there's downs. But if you get, if you really see the light, you just hold on to it and protect it for your dear life. Like people ask me, like, why do you keep coming back? Like, shul. Like, you look at old time and like, wh why do people like us just keep coming back? We don't need to. Shul's not acting out if he doesn't come to. I know he's not. If he doesn't come a few days in a row, he is. He thinks he's acting out if he doesn't come today, but I know he's not. I'm not acting out if I don't come. I'm not acting out no matter what. But I got a light that is so bright inside of me, it's like, I don't want to lose it, I want to protect that light. 
So if the light is lost and you have to ask yourself, well, what have I done? Well, what's going on? Like, why am I losing the, the mojo? Or did I really never even have it? You know, the story where Bill says that he was on the train and he thought he heard God's voice and he realized he was telling himself some crap. You know what I mean? Like, let's be real. Upon going through all the 12 steps, we have a spiritual awakening. So don't get fooled if a guy comes over to you in program and says, I'm here for three days and I got a spiritual awakening or... Or maybe he had a small awakening. He came to recognize, and there's awakenings. There's levels. Each stage, there's different levels of awakening. But what we're talking about is getting the marrow out of the bone. We're talking about the real spiritual awakening that just keeps the guy from wanting to be here to pass the message on to the next guy. The awakening is an awakening where money is not the most important thing to you in life or sex anymore. The most important thing in life is really just simply doing God's will and taking care of my wife and children. Everything else is not second, it's not even third, it's I don't know where it belongs even. That's the awakening. When you got that awakening that you really, you really are not inspired to anymore have or be or go or do the big thing, that's the awakening. So do I need to go through the 12 steps for the sponsor or do it myself? So I heard from the old timers that myself is the problem. The last thing I want to do is myself. Myself is my problem. I've been doing myself for the last um, many, many years raping myself through masturbation and through acting out. The last place I want to be anymore is self. So absolutely a sponsor is critical. You know, we have in the literature, it says in the fifth step, if you do, if you sponsor, if you're not comfortable, go to the doctor or you could speak to a lawyer or your best friend. If you listen to the old timers, are you retarded? <laughs> you're going to go talk to your, your, your local uh, PA or your... Nurse practitioner, who are you talking to? They say that they're to, to cozy things up. Let's be real. <laughs> Let's be real. Come on. We're, we're trying to make a million dollars today. There's a broker, a new guy on the block. I heard he, he once closed a deal. Maybe we could go to you. <laughs> That's not the guy I'm using here. We're here to make money. Come on. We're talking about getting the marrow out of the bone. How many meetings do I need to come to? I don't know. Ask all the old-timers how many meetings they came to a day. I know that the average guy came to a meeting a day for many, 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 many months. On time. I remember calling my sponsor, telling him, I don't know what to do, I came late. And he wouldn't answer me, don't worry. He would say, okay, what's your character defect that's causing you to come late? I would suggest everybody asking him that question. Do you deserve that card? that you're really part of this fellowship? Or do you deserve like part of the card? Or between seven of us, we get a whole card if we all walk in together. Yeah. That's me, So, first of all, I appreciate, I appreciate your share. Um, so my, my question is basically, in terms of step 12, which is really the crux of where we want to get to, but. Uh, my understanding was always that if if we don't carry the message, then we'll, we're not, we'll never stay sober long enough to get to step 12. 
is it is it crucial that you finish all 12 steps before you carry the message or a sponsor so, or very good so the question is could i carry a message even if i never went through all the 12 steps and the answer is what we say in one of the in one of the the readings obviously i can't transmit something i haven't got see to it that your own house is in order and then transmit it if your house is in order Day one, you could give a message that I can never give to anybody ever again in my life. The guy sober for one day could give a better message to somebody than I could. If he has the card. If he's here. Now let's be honest. Who knows if we deserve the card, if we have the card, what card, when card. We're, we're a bunch of drunks. But we're trying to elevate the program. This is all about trying to get us to the next stage of recovery. So yes, you should answer the phone call, you should be there for a guy, you should give over your experience, your strength, your hope. You have something that I will never have. I have something that you will never have. But if that guy called you today, there's a reason, there's a God relationship right now that God wants that guy to call you and wants you to answer the phone to be there for that guy. And that's why he's calling you. Now maybe he's also calling you because he doesn't want to call the guy that's giving him the right message. I get this all the time, I love it. I used to hate it and get resentful. Today I wear it as a badge of honor. Guy calls me and is like, okay, Chaim, tell me the truth. <laughs> or somebody will call me and it's like, I'm ready. Or somebody will call me and say, okay, I've spoken to everybody. Okay, tell me what I, I don't want to hear. Especially out of our fellowship, when a guy will call me from who knows where. I was told to call you because... Um, the average guy is going to be nice to me, and I don't want nice. I need to stay alive. I get this all the time. When you start getting it, like Henoch told me, when you start getting resent, people resenting you in recovery, <laughs> she knows this. Because I remember when she came over to me, like, so many guys don't like me. I said, congratulations, welcome to being a, a, a real member of recovery. When people start not liking you, you know you've made it. Because you know something? Giving hugs and telling people, oh, you slept with a hooker. Oh. Who are you fooling? You slept with a hooker? If I'm a sexaholic, there's a piece of me that's like, ha oh, oh, oh. <coughs> It's much easier to be nice to people in recovery. Okay. Um, I'll put it out there for extending the meeting for five minutes. Let's, let's vote. If not, we'll end it now. All in favor to extend for five minutes? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All opposed? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, let's do let's do two and a half so we could hit the other one with extended one, but let's quickly go. Yitzi the spiritual awakening that obviously is our, our goal over here. I'm just gonna one day automatically just feel it. It's like a process start like realizing that like what's really important like I remember like growing up like my my rabbis it's a great question me, it's a gr- you're, you're gonna find the sweetness in your studies I was like let me know when one day I found it that it wore off like how does it work very good very good I think that's similar to what Leapy was asking so how does this work I also get this like white light and it never disappears you have to work on it the answer is it's, it's a working process. I'm asking going to feel it. I, I, you will know. intuitively know when you're on a different road of recovery. When you're showing up every day on time, you know you're on a, a different recovery. When you, when you set your alarm to actually get on time to the meeting, 
then you will know. When you set your alarm knowing that you're anyway not coming on time because you're, you're not coming on time because you really don't want to be here and your wife and maybe you'll get morning sex and, and all of that, you know you're not part of recovery. When you set your alarm to get on time, I remember calling my sponsor and telling him, I'm not getting on time to the meeting. He said, what time do you set your alarm? <laughs> and first I laughing. He's like, I can't get to the meeting on time. It's like, ding. I don't want to get to the meeting on time. Who am I fooling? You would intuitively know. Moishi says the whole like Moishi. Why is she so much? Um, I want to make a comment that uh, helped me a lot is this reading of the wall in the book, Spiritual Experience, which talks about Good point, how good point. Works. And one thing it says there is that a lot of times I need to ask someone else how I'm doing. Very good point. Love it. I just want to repeat it. So somebody's making a, a, a statement, a comment over here, which I love. There's a spiritual experience in the big book which states very clearly of how spiritual experiences work, but there is many, many differences. But sometimes we don't feel our own spiritual experience until somebody else points it out to us. And then we realize, like, that's right. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. It took me a long time to recognize, like, wow, I don't have a filter on my phone. And I don't play with lust on my phone. And I haven't had a, f- a filter on my phone for 10 years. I needed somebody else to point that out to me when I'm beating myself up because I did take that one action one time over there. So we intuitively end up knowing. Okay, let's end the meeting. I appreciate everybody for being here. Um, I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.